Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Liz Allen. Hello, Liz. How are you doing? Hello. Hello, Amy. I'm sparkling, actually. I'm in sparkling form. I love that. So why sparkling particularly? I I sparkle the most when I'm learning. I love learning. I love learning new concepts, ideas, and I will freely admit to being ignorant of a lot of information um so i like to to um yeah keep learning so learning for me is sparkling so that's why i'm sparkling i'm learning lots so what is it you've been learning recently share with us um i've been learning uh, a lot about quantum physics actually which sounds very highbrow but it's not really it's just a posh name for energy <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I've been learning all about quantum physics. I've learned, I, as you know, um, I or I guess you know, I love words. I love language, and I love studying words and their meanings. So I've be- I, I've been doing it ever since I, as an adult, my whole life really, trying to understand word and uh, words and increase my vocabulary. So I've been doing a lot about that. I've been looking at the etymology of words that are new to me so yeah language and quantum physics that's a good mix isn't it so tell me tell me the words that you've added to your vocabulary recently oh lord now you've put me on the spot i've got a great long list oh i wish you'd i wish you'd told me about this before <laughs> well, i didn't know we were going to talk about this before no, this i is... didn't either <laughs> i didn't either um you put me on the spot Something will come to you. As the conversation goes, no doubt, I'll ping back to it. There's a word that I wanted to talk to you about. That's all good. So linguistics, a linguistician, interest in words. I'm a fellow linguist as I I studied linguistics at university. So we have this in, in common here. So what is it about words and language? Is it the communication side of things? Is it the, as you say, the etymology is what is what is it that attracts you so much? Well, actually, I think it started, I'm going to blame my mother because it's very, it's very good to blame your mother, isn't it? (laughs) It's always good to blame somebody else. When I was a little girl, I remember her saying to me, sticks and stones can break your bones, but calling names can't hurt you. It was when I came home from school in a real emotional upset because his name was Martin Clitheroe. Isn't that amazing? I can remember his name all these years later, said something horrible to me. And I began to think maybe there's something wrong with me because actually I did feel hurt by what he said. 
And so words, I, I, I think at that point in my life, I began to listen very carefully to the words around me, what the adults, what the grown-ups were saying, and trying to understand them and make sense of them. And as the years have gone by, I've realised that actually it's as much the energy behind the words and how they're expressed as the actual meaning of the words themselves, the context. And when I didn't understand words, when I look back now, I realised actually it wasn't only the meaning of the words, it was people would say something and then do something different. So it wasn't just about the integrity of the words, it was about the integrity of the person using the words, which sounds very deep, doesn't it? But, well, yeah, I just didn't understand the world I was living in. I didn't understand anything. I didn't understand me. I didn't understand what the people around me were saying and why would you use words to hurt somebody? I really didn't get it. So. So as I've got older and older and carried on studying, I've got closer and closer to understanding it. And it's, it's actually very exciting. That's why I'm sparkling. That's fantastic. So this, this sort of thread here of integrity of the person and, and the integrity of the words and the, and the link thereof and the energy behind the words and the, the way that people use words as essentially as weapons, if, if they're saying them mm -hmm. to say things to hurt you, what is it that you, you're now seeing? Do you have a, a clearer picture or some clarity around language? Very much so. I mean, I don't want to get into a political conversation about what's going on in the world at the moment. But if you look at the media, I mean, I worked for the, I'm going to mention the BBC. I worked for the BBC uh, 20 odd years ago in their newsroom. Uh, and if you think, the three letters, British Broadcasting, uh, the big media companies, that they are broadcasting. It's like a scattergun gun approach. So when you're, when you're communicating in that way, you're, you're going to miss some people. Some people are going to be uh, not understand what you're trying to say. So I realise now as I get older, that I'm choosing my words much more carefully. And I, instead of being like the blunderbuss, blunder, I can't even say, I can't say that word, blunderbuss approach in my communication. I mean, when I look back over my life, Amy, I've been crashing around the planet, wanting to connect and communicate with everybody. And what a waste of time and energy because there are some people who can't hear what I'm going to say or don't want to hear what I have to say. So instead of being a blunderbuss with my communication, I want to be, I want to be a rifle. Actually, I'm, I'm disappointed I've got myself onto a, a weapons uh, metaphor because actually I don't ever want to use language to be hurtful. Quite the opposite, in fact. But it's actually, in this context... It's a convenient metaphor, so I'll have to think of a better one uh, that, that gets that point across. So the BBC, I actually have been quite disappointed, and this isn't political, really. This is just Liz Allen as a human being listening to their, their what I consider to be um, poor journalism. That's my view. That's my considered opinion. So there we go. So 
Yeah, but they have a difficult job to do. I mean, I don't castigate all journalists. I think there's a lot of brilliant journalists. Um, it's the system that doesn't work terribly well at the moment. So yeah, so that's so from me on a personal basis, I want to be much more focused in my communication and where it's going. Yeah, I wanted to save the world, Amy. Don't we all want to save the world? <laughs> but actually, there's a problem there. That's a lot of work for one person. And also, not everybody wants to hear me or what I have to say, because their experience of life is so different to mine. The, 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 the bridge is too wide. The gap is too wide. Am I making sense? She said, checking well, in. I'm going to ask you about people not everybody in the world wants to hear what you want to say or have to say what is it that you want to say what is it that you have to share well i think it's very topical at the moment the world isn't let you know let's not beat about the bush uh the world is in a, a state of huge change and flux at the moment and that for most of us human beings that's that's frightening you know, we, we don't like change, do we? You know, we like to be settled. We like our patterns, our habits, our routines. And so there is huge change at the moment. And, and But I feel, I do feel I'm in the eye of the storm. I do feel very calm and at peace in spite of what's going on. And the reason for that is this, it's good old Gandhi. I hit 40. I'm not, a, I don't gather possessions. I'm not a materialistic person. I have enough. I'm very grateful for what I have and what we were able to give our children, which wasn't particularly material goods. We traveled and we gave them a music education, but um, I hit 40 living in a beautiful part of the world, safe, secure, blah, blah, blah. And I still wasn't at peace with myself. And so at that point in my life, I really started digging. You know, was it a midlife crisis? I hope not, because I'm going to live way beyond 80. <laughs> I have work to do. I have a purpose in life. So it was a third, a third life, a third term life crisis. I hit 40 and I, I just so started to really dig and go back and look at the patterns. I mentioned patterns just now. The patterns of my early life, my childhood, what had formed me and what had got me to that place of being 40 with everything the younger me thought I wanted, but actually I didn't have, and that was to be at peace with myself. You know, I thought I'd be deliriously happy if I had those things for beautiful, healthy, and I stress healthy because I had a seriously handicapped brother. So I knew what it was like to be a sibling of a seriously handicapped, mentally and physically handicapped sibling and I was just so grateful when each of my four children were, were healthy so grateful can't tell you how grateful so I started to really dig really dig and look back at those my patterns and my history and I listened I read everything I could all the philosophers and the um, I'm quite proud of myself to be perfectly honest because this is alongside holding down a part-time job and raising a family of four they were all born within seven years so I was busy at this point of life you know I really I was a human doing rather than a human being <laughs> I was very busy doing 
<laughs> and but at the same time, I was keeping a check on who I was being because I wanted to be a great mother to my daughters. Have I gone off piste here? No, I haven't. So I'll pull myself back. I'm getting quite good at that, Amy. <laughs> um, so I'm reading about Gandhi. Be the change you want to see in the world. What do I want to see in the world? I want to see peace. I, I want to be at peace with myself. Okay, Liz, you can't do anything. You know, you can only influence the sphere of um, your own sphere of influence. You better start with yourself. So that's what I did. I started with myself. And there's a wonderful piece. Um, I have it in a book somewhere. Uh, it's well worth looking up, actually. I think it's in the one of the original Chicken Soup for the Soul books. You know, the um, compilation by Jack Canfield and Mark Flock, whatever his name is, can't remember. And I think it's on page 70-something of this book. Uh, and it's called uh, something from the crypt. I could actually go and get it. It's on my book. Right. I've got yeah. it as well, but yeah. I'll, I'll have a quick look while you carry okay, on. Okay, so it's it's and it's 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 an inscription on the tomb of an Anglican bishop buried in Westminster Abbey, I think it is, or Westminster, or yeah, Westminster Abbey. And he talks about how he set off in his religious thing and he wanted to change the world. And then when the world wouldn't have anything of it, he wanted to change his country. And then when his country wouldn't have anything of it, he wanted to change his family. And it was only on his deathbed that he realised if he changed himself by the love and support of his family around him who would see the change, who knows what might have happened? He might then go on and change the world. So that I read that amongst many other things. I mean, I'm a bookworm. I love books. I love reading. I've read all my life. And that had, that had a profound influence on me. I thought, yeah, that's it. That's it. I need to change myself. That's quite tricky <laughs> because we're in these patterns of behaviours. And as the Jesuits say, you know, give me a child until he's seven and I'll show you the man. How true is that? It is true. I'm not asking you a question. I'm telling you it's true. <laughs> and so I had to go right back and look at those patterns, my own patterns and where they'd come from. You see, there's a lot of talk, you know, do we never learn from history? History keeps repeating itself. Yeah, absolutely it does. And it, it, we can't learn, but we can't learn from other people's history. That's the point. We can only learn, or it's very, well, we can learn from other people's history, but it's actually what we could do better is learn from our own. So that's what I've done. I've worked very hard. I have worked extremely hard and it's not a quick fix. It's taken me, well, I'm, I'm sort of, age is just a number, but I'm, I'm sort of, you know, something, something around, <laughs> something to round, uh, around the young age pension, uh, age, put it like that. Took me a long time to unpick it all, and I've done it, Amy. Because as good old Aristotle, my mate Ari says, to understand oneself is the beginning of wisdom. And I just feel like, oh my God, I've been crashing around the, the world, not understanding myself. And <laughs> yeah. But now I do. And it's like, oh, I'm only just beginning to start being wise now at my halfway stage, I'm going to say I am now. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's, 
yes, I've got my work cut out. And that's for the next 30, 40 plus years. And you see, that's that's one thing I would say. Um, to have a purpose in life, to know who you are, to know what you're about, to have a purpose is, wow, it's just amazing. That's why I feel so calm at the moment. Because I do, I just feel very calm because I can, I can do what I can. If people want to listen to me, great. If they don't want to listen to me, great. And it's great. <laughs> it's all great. <laughs> so let, let's look at the questions that you've been asking yourself now and, and the, the reflection on where we started with the, the love of language and the, the quantum physics or the energy behind the words that come with it. What's the plan? What's the purpose now? Where's your focus going, Liz? Well, I do want to help as many people as I can. Why wouldn't you? You know, especially if you've trodden the path that they're on and you're just a bit further down. And I say down the path. Uh, it's not about being better or no. It's just experience. Finally, I'm beginning to value my life experience. You know, I think I think as older people have been put on the scrap heap, don't you know, <laughs> as, as not having anything to offer. And actually, I've got a lot to offer because I've got this perspective of the patterns, the cyclical patterns, not only of my own behavior, but the behavior of my children. They hate me for that. When I trot something out, they're, they're oh, damn it. She can see, she can see right through me. Of course I can, I'm, her, I'm their mother. Um, and the patterns going on in society, you know, it's like when stuff happens in the world, it's like, yeah, I've been there. That happened 40 years ago. Really? Um, you know, like power cuts. As I was talking, you know, um, telling my girls not long ago, you know, when I was at, I was at university in the 70s, we were studying by candlelight. There was three day a week power cuts or however, I forget what it was now, but you know, like now, you know, people born after whatever day, I don't know, that day, the seventies, can't imagine that not having electricity in this country, but I can, you know? So if it, I, I feel very, oh, well, we got through that. We'll get, if it happens again, we'll get through that too, you know? So it's that life experience has given me something to draw on a sort, a sort of um, sanguine, look that one up, Amy, a sanguine approach to life. <laughs> well, the origins of sanguine are, are to do with blood, aren't they? It's blood, so yeah. yeah. So going back to the area that you can control and the area that you can influence and knowing... Actually, can I just stop you there yeah. for a minute? Yeah. Go on. So sanguine, you're right, it does come from the French, it comes from blood, but I use it in the context here, which is optimistic or positive, especially in apparently bad or difficult situations. There we are. I am sanguine. Mm, love it. I love it. Love it. Oh, don't you love words? <laughs> I love I, words. I do. I do, Liz. The blood, so, you see, the blood is rushing through my veins. <laughs> 
Sorry. Well, no, well, this is the thing, isn't it? Because you know, a lot of the language comes from a, a limited language. So we have we had a, a vocabulary that was much smaller than it is now, and, it, and the English language particularly has one of the largest vocabularies in the mm. world. You know, far more than, say, for example, the Spanish mm. language. So it's really interesting how words have had their 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 originations, but then have adapted and molded and then there's been we have so many synonyms to mm. or sit i can't say the word now synonyms to yeah. words you know so many words there but let me just take you back to the understanding you started off this whole podcast knowing that you're on sparkling form because you're learning and you've also recognized the areas of influence and control and, and understanding that you have the power to change and you are changing you are evolving what's what's the plan what's the mission that you now have knowing that you said you want to help as many people as you can down the path okay so i'm going to mention at this point my events i haven't done them since covid kicked off uh because i just thought i can't deal with that level of um pressure on me to run these events safely you know and to support everybody coming to them so uh, so my events, so I started off doing an event 12 years ago called the Vagina Dialogues. And <laughs> I've had a lot of fun with that branding, I'll tell you, because when I first kicked it off, so, so the word for me, vagina, has no emotion whatsoever. It's a body part. It's a female body part, but it has a lot of emotion, a lot of it quite negative or shameful, both genders. But what shocked me was was women um uh i mean i've got loads of stories i could to substantiate that that comment but there isn't time for that um but it's the only reason i chose that title was this is exactly what it says on the tin that women having a dialogue a conversation so that event started off as a respectful facilitated conversation and the strap line for that is puts common sense back into mothering and I started that 12 years ago, and it was to get women together to look at the patterns of their own mothering experience and how, how we all do it. We all do it. That's the point, how we then transfer those patterns onto our children if we don't think about it. And I felt I had credibility. You know, I had a mother, clearly, and I had have four daughters, so I could look at that mother-daughter relationship. And that was the only relationship I was really homing in on that because I felt I had, wow, a lot of experience in that area. So I kicked it off and it was, and it evolved. You know, when I look back at the first one, wow, it, it did, it changed hugely. Um, I, I'll tell you how it changed. I stopped talking. Uh, I stopped I think I'd got into teaching. I wanted them to get as much of my knowledge and information as I possibly could. And then I paired it right back and I asked a series of great questions and got everybody talking. I held the space. I managed the space, created a safe place in the room for women to talk about things that they really wanted to talk about. So that's the vagina dialogues. Then, <laughs> then the men were going so I'm going around doing business networking and so on telling them uh about this and the men were going oh why can't we come because it's for women only you can't do that 
that's sexist. Well, I am. So there you go. Oh, do one for us then. So Talking Bollocks was born out of that. Now, I presented, so as the name suggests, it was for men only. And as the name suggests, um, uh, yeah, sorry, as the name suggests, for men only, I changed the strap line for that. It was puts common sense back into relationships. Because if you remember, the Vagina Dialogues was was, um, putting common sense back into mothering. I clearly wasn't a father. So I didn't feel I had, I didn't have personal experience of being a father and actually... There are a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of differences. I've had a lot of conversations with men and trying to express how I feel differently as a mother. We're both parents, but anyway. Um, So just while I'm talking about talking bollocks, let me blow one huge myth out of the water. If men are given time to speak, if you give them a safe place to do it, they open up very quickly. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Men desperately need these safe places. They really do. They really do. Anyway, so I began to realise this and I began to think, well, how could I bring the two events together? Uh, So this is where I'm I'm heading. uh, Not I think I know, but it's just a matter of timing and I'm just sitting on it at the moment thinking, how can I best help um, how can I best roll this out there? So that so the the amalgamation of the two is it's already trademarked. It's um, it's been trademarked for years actually. It's called the pregnant pause, and that's where going back to your question, where can I make the biggest difference? I believe looking back at my own personal history, those seven, first seven years of life are critical. Absolutely critical. And I know my mother, we had long conversations after I let go of my seething anger towards her. And we did talk about that. And it was what it was beautiful. I was angry with my mother for a long time. Uh, and then I wasn't. And we just had the most amazing few years of her final years of her life. It was just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And she said, look, you know, she we had that conversation. If I'd known better, I would have done better. I was ignorant which leads me back to what I was saying right at the beginning as well. You know, we don't, we can't know everything. You know, did our grandmothers know neuroscience or epigenetics or social sciences or biochemistry? No, of course they didn't. Of course they didn't. They were in survival mode. They were trying to keep food on the table, keep the family safe. They didn't have time, you know, and I'm so grateful for everybody who has been in my life who's given me the time and the space and the opportunity to learn and to carry on learning and you know I I think just going back to learning I think the two key pieces of learning for me in terms of formal education were my university university degree right at the beginning you mentioned linguistics I mean I studied language literature language social anthropology and psychology and wow have they set me up for an amazing life of understanding the world and language and how we communicate in the mind and how to you know all that and then I went on and I did I trained to be a nurse I'm going to say proper nurse I don't mean to offend I don't need to mean to offend more modern day nurses but actually modern day nurses are not trained in the same way that I was and they aren't given the resources 
to do the job that they hoped it would be is all I'm going to say on that front. <laughs> um, uh, so um, forgotten, I've, I've lost track of what I was saying. What was I saying? So you're talking about... Oh, my the... education, my formal education, that's right. And then since then, I have, I've learned at the University of Life, I've learned through experience, I've learned through trial and error, a lot of error, a lot, a Laura, Laura error, as Scylla Black would say, you know, but that's the thing. It's about, it is about making mistakes, cleaning up as you go along. I'm very good at cleaning up my mistakes as I go along and saying, sorry, you know, Elton John, that song of his, you know, sorry seems to be the hardest word. I think it is. We, we somehow feel shame around making a mistake, but Shame is if you keep repeating the mistake and it's bad over and over and over again. I think there's a lot of people in this world need to feel shame at the moment. But anyway, let's not talk about <laughs> that. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's it's about being open minded. And here's another word. I love this word. Right. It's in physics as well um, as in. You know, in life. To be perturbed is to be upset or disturbed, but perturbation is necessary, otherwise you get stagnant. You know, if you're not, if your thinking isn't perturbed, if you surround yourself, you see when people say, oh, I love being around, I love being with like-minded people. I don't want to be with like-minded people. I like being around people who are kind. Who are they being? kind, compassionate, fun, understanding, caring. I like those kinds of people, but I don't want to be surrounded by people who think the same way as I do, because that doesn't challenge me. That doesn't help me grow. It doesn't help me expand my mind and my consciousness. So, um, yeah, I, do, I like to be around open-minded people, kind, open-minded people. They're my fave types. Well, you're in good company, so don't worry. No, I know I am. <laughs> so tell me, Liz, the difference between who you are, who you want to be, and what you do. Tell me about, do they all fit in the same pattern now? Yeah, Have they been absolutely. different? Absolutely. Can I just tell you, um, there's one thing. I, I've mentioned a lot about life experience. I hit a, you see, people, people look at me because I'm always very cheerful because my parents taught me very well. They, they actually served on the front line in the, in the Middle East during the Second World War. They, weren't, they didn't fight, they mopped up after the fighting. They were medics, my parents. So they saw the atrocities of war and they came home. And if they taught me nothing else, they taught me to have fun and to live in the moment because next week's not guaranteed, you know? Life is, our length of time on this planet is never guaranteed, so enjoy the moment. So I've done it, I've all, that's how I've lived my whole life. Now, people have always looked at me, no, I don't know, no. People have often, that's a, sorry, I backtrack. People have often said to me, oh, well, it's all right for you, you've led a charmed life. Excuse me? No, I haven't, I've led a very challenging life, actually. Um, and, but I've learned, how to bounce back and accept there was one period, and I just want to share this very briefly um, and to show you the power of words. So about 10 years ago, my life wasn't going at all how I wanted it to go. And I, I was in a, a acute 
And then that spilled over into a chronic state of anxiety. I was pretending to the world I was fine. And when I was with other people, I felt, yeah, they lifted my spirit. And I was, oh, but on my own, I cannot tell you, I was going through, I was having an existential crisis. So let me explain that, how, or at least how I'm using that word. I didn't see the point of me anymore. I really didn't see the point of me anymore. And I was so depressed and anxious and tipping over into paranoia. I didn't trust anybody. And so it was a very, very painful, horrible time of my life. And then I realized I just had, I had to get a grip of myself because I was really beginning, uh, what I wasn't saying with my words, my body was starting to show to the world, like I, my hair started to fall out. And somebody actually said to me, are you okay? They thought I was on chemotherapy because I looked so terrible. Uh, anyway, I realized I had to, I had to get a grip of the dialogue that was going on in my head. So I did. And one of the key words, so I wrote this little script for myself, but one of the key words in there was joy. And it was about heading towards joy. And I, I tell you at the time I felt, I did not feel anything like joyful at the time. Anyway, I persevered, I kept going. I, every time I felt less than calm, which was a lot in the early days, I can tell you, I was in a state of panic inside. I was having panic attacks. When I tell people, I go, what are you? You, you always seem so confident and together. And for a lot of my life I was, but I tell you what, the last few years, 10 years ago or so, I wasn't. Anyway, um, I'll speed up a bit. So, Last October, I um, am a member of a, a well-known speaking association, and I was awarded uh, the Spirit of Joy Award. And when I was awarded this, uh, it was done on Zoom, and I forgot that I was, because I was in the comfort of my own home, and that I forgot completely that I was being recorded, and I burst into tears, and I couldn't stop crying, because wow, I had arrived at this place that I had been focusing on both internally and externally. And honestly, I cried like a baby. And afterwards, I didn't know that that recording was going to be shown. And it was. And, you know, it didn't matter. It really didn't matter because it was, it was who I was being in that moment. Very vulnerable. And I know some people will have felt very uncomfortable watching me blubber like a baby. But in that moment, they were tears of joy because all that hard work and effort had paid off and I had actually arrived where I wanted to be. Isn't that wonderful? Do you not think that's wonderful, full of wonder, Amy? Well, it, it absolutely is. And, and it just, with that sense of purpose and that fulfillment, explain what that now encourages you to do going forward. So I'm, I'm, well, I will always take that into my events. I mean, I, I, when I did the Vagina Dialogues and Talking Bollocks, obviously I got loads and loads of feedback because as they say, uh, feedback is the breakfast of champions. And so I just did like a, a search and words that kept popping up were about the event, fun, thought-provoking, inspirational. So I'm going to carry those words into the pregnant pause, which is this parenting thing. I'm going to carry joy into it. I'm go going to carry, I don't know, whatever else crops up. At safety, 
because it's going to be a safe place for people to explore. And I think heaven only knows what's been going on. You know, I, I just feel I want to make a difference to young people, very young people, parents and very young people, because I've had my life. I've had a great life thus far. It's not over yet by any means. But I do feel everything that's gone on in the world the last little while, it's it's taken it's taken away a lot from our young people. And actually, I would love, however, no, I'm not going to put that word out there. However, I can't think of the right word, so I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to use the wrong word. That's what I'm going to do for the next 30, 40 years. Find a way where I can help young parents, pregnant parents, young parents, look at their patterns of behaviour so that they can, then they have a choice. You see, I didn't have a choice when I first started parenting because I hadn't looked deeply enough. All I had was the conscious knowing. I can remember when I was expecting my eldest child thinking, right, I'm going to parent very consciously because I don't want to carry the fears that I had as a, as a, as a young person. I don't want to, to push those onto my children. And I've worked so hard not to do that. They know that. They know that. Yeah, I've made mistakes, but I've, I've worked so hard consciously. So as a result, I've got a lot to share. Conscious parenting and behavioural patterns and changes. Did that make sense, Amy? It, it does make sense because it the whole conversation today started with that phrase that, you know, sticks and stones will hurt my my bones, but names will have never hurt me. Mm. Um and and that micro script that was used by your mother to to sort of soothe your pain instigated a journey, a lifetime journey into understanding, you know, what is the energy behind the words in the world. Mm. And as you say, coming to the point where you're awarded the spirit of joy and feeling that you had arrived at this place, both internally and externally, is that that quest that you set off on very early on was resolved. And now it's a, a, an opportunity for you to help others who may have experienced pain along the way. And your use of, of sanguine being optimistic and positive particularly in sort of apparently bad or difficult situations just is a perfect choice right isn't now it? For you. isn't it yeah isn't it? I, I mean can i just say this if there's time um i so i went to university to study the subjects that i told you about and i wanted to be a journalist and because I'd read all the first world war poets those beautiful words so carefully chosen and i thought the pen is mightier than the sword. I want to be a journalist and, and help the world <laughs> come to its senses. That's a joke, isn't it? Anyway, six weeks into my degree course, and here's the irony. My aunt, who I was very close to, was murdered. And it completely knocked me off my perch. And I couldn't concentrate. I got my degree, but I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't sit at a desk and write. So for 40 years, I did, the only thing I wrote was when I was nursing was patient reports and so on and shopping lists. That's all I wrote for 40 years. And now I started writing again. Isn't that wonderful? 
I think it's wonderful. <laughs> well, it's just it's just brought me right back to when you were using your blunderbuss and the rifle metaphor, that then you've just said here that the pen is mightier than the sword. So actually your metaphor is such that you've you've moved away from the, the weapons and and yeah. into you know your your pen as being your weapon of choice now. Yeah. But I need to think about that, isn't it? Because it is it is the war. The war language, in English actually is littered with war language, language, language. Really interesting. It comes down to the, the two elements that you have brought into today's conversation, which is the peace and the war. So the war and the peace and, and the fact that the political media of where you say that the broadcasting and, and what is being broadcasted right now across the world, you know, is always about the war and the peace uh, yeah. that is, uh, surrounds us and where there's a story on war there will always be a story on peace but it's just not often reflected indeed very wise words amy <laughs> so liz it has been a joy talking to you about words and my goodness we we i know that we could wax lyrical on this topic for forever because yeah. it is an interest that we we have and i do love the transition of your human doing into human being and that your your years of writing shopping lists has has now come to fruition and that there will be something much more productive coming out with the, the pregnant pause going forward. So thank you. How would people get in contact with you? Uh, my website, which is Liz. Now pay attention, pay attention. It's Liz with an S. Uh, LizAllen.com. Magic. Did I say that right? It is magic. You're right. LizAllen.com. That's the best way. Fabulous. Well, I'll put it in the show notes so people know exactly how it's spelled. Yeah, or um, info at lizallen.com, whatever. That's the okay. Best. And Liz, have you got some final words for the audience, please? Yes. <laughs> yes, it's it's on my business cards. And it's, it, it's, a, it's my quote. This is Liz Allen's quote. I'm going to own this. There is no point in having a mind if you can't open expand or change it thank you for listening to focus on why with me amy rowlandson to show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today please leave me an apple podcast five-star review remember the conversation doesn't end here to keep it going connect with me on linkedin instagram facebook or twitter or join the inspiring uplifting and positive focus on why facebook group all the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.